you have an enemy. And I'm not talking about your ex. Your ex-spouse, your ex-boss, your ex-partner, your ex-friend. And I'm not talking about that guy you picked a fight with at the bar or that person that swore at you on WhatsApp or the lady that blocked you on Facebook. I'm not talking about your high school bully or the person in your office that drives you absolutely nuts. I'm not talking about that person that took you to court and sued you. I'm talking about the one who was pulling the strings behind the scenes. The one who, like a puppet master, was causing the division and the strife and the hatred and the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness. The one that was active all the time behind the scenes, stirring up in you some greed and lust, some dissension. The one who behind the scenes was causing shame and guilt. The one who behind the scenes in your life was causing you to doubt in a powerful God. You have an enemy and his name is Satan. And if we had to be really honest, most Christians don't live like he exists. In fact, I wonder for you today, if we had to kind of do a survey in this room and to everyone listening and watching, how many of you even thought about him this week? Most Christians live as if the enemy doesn't exist, and that is just the way he likes it. He loves it, by the way. If you can believe he has no influence in your life, he loves it, by the way. If you can go on with your life as if he doesn't exist, as if he, he can't control you or do anything, because all the while it just opens up the gates for him to have that activity to lead you and speak to you and tempt you. He's trying to get you to act a certain way. He's trying to get you to speak a certain way, to live a certain way. He's desperately trying to get you to invite him into your life. Invite him into your space to sit at the table of your life so that he can change you. You have an enemy. Look at someone close by and tell them you have an enemy. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, stay alert. Everyone says, stay alert. It says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. <clears throat> stay alert, but I don't even think we're staying aware. Never mind being alert. Are we even aware? Are we even aware that there's this active force in our lives trying to disrupt our families, trying to disturb our marriages, trying to influence our mental health, trying to affect our physical health. Oh, are we even aware that there's this enemy, this attack going on, someone trying to destroy our faith, someone who hates you because God loves you? There's an enemy who hates the fact that this church is growing. He hates the fact that we're growing personally personally in our, in our faith and devotion towards Jesus. He hates if you're growing in purity. He hates it. He hates if you're becoming more and more like Christ. He hates it. He hates us. You know, in this series, we've been looking at the person and the activity of the Holy Spirit, but it's so important that we take pause for a moment and look at the other side of this coin because church, the reality is you don't only have a godly influence at play in your life. There's a demonic influence too. 
There isn't just a godly force at play trying to reshape you and make you. There's a demonic force too. And his desire is to devour you, destroy you, steal from you, and hopefully kill you. And what we see in scripture is this enemy was once an angel. Right, Satan was in heaven with the angels and all those demons were also once angels. Now there's a lot of Christian myth, right? Some Christians believe that perhaps he was the lead singer or the angel of worship, but that's not really in scripture. What scripture does tell us, however, is that he started becoming jealous of the praise and the worship that God himself was receiving. He started to desire that praise for himself. Pride started to grow in his heart and he started to influence the angels. In fact, in Revelations 9, it gives us a glimpse that when the devil and his angels fell, it gives us an idea that about 200 million angels fell with Satan. That's a lot of demons on the loose. And there they are, and they got to work pretty quickly, started to influence mankind, started to work against them. The very first man and woman ever created, there he is. He's lying to them because he is the father of lies. He's deceiving them because he's the great deceiver. He's making them question God. He's making them doubt themselves. He's tempting them with what they shouldn't do because he's the tempter. You see his activity and because of his activity, he's cursed. God curses him to crawl on his belly for the rest of eternity like a snake because that's just the form that he chose to appear to man and woman. And right throughout scripture in the Old Testament and in the New, now he's referred to as a great serpent. Even in, the, in Revelations, he's constantly referred to as a great serpent. And so most possibly the, the spiritual form of this enemy is that of a serpent. And he is active. He's trying to take you out. He's trying to destroy you. Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 both give us this image, this glimpse of just how he fell. In Isaiah chapter 14 from verse 13, it says this, For you said to yourself, talking about the devil, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. And I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. And I will climb to the highest mountain. And I will be like the most high. Instead, he will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Satan fell because he wanted to be like the most high. He wanted to be like God. And if you're looking for his activity in your life, you're going to find it in that same space. So often what he makes men and women believe is that they can be like God. And you might be thinking like, I don't want to be like God. No, but what it means is that you don't answer to any higher power. You are the higher power. You decide what is right. You decide how to live. You decide what is moral. You're not, you, you don't have to answer to anyone. And as we look at this world that is starting to hate truth and God and Christians and morality, we can see his work at play because what, he, what he's influenced the world to believe is what he believes, that we can be like God. I get to decide what is truth. I get to decide what is right. I, I get to decide what is morality. I will decide how I live my life. And so today I want us to look at some of the ways 
this demonic activity can be at play in our lives. Now, some of the ways there's demonic activity is very obvious. One of the obvious ways of demonic activity will be through something we call demon possession. Right, this is when a demonic force actually gets control of someone's spirit, is able to determine how they act, gets control of their bodies and their mouths, can speak through them. Maybe some of you have seen someone in that state. You'll know often they can be fine one moment and then foaming at the mouth and speaking in a weird voice the next, right? Someone who's acting normal and suddenly something will happen that will create a demonic manifestation. Sometimes they speak in different voices or they hear voices telling them to kill someone or just kill themselves or fall into some sin or become very lustful. In fact, we're going to find Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 11 and he's bumped into someone who's demon possessed. And by the way, in his ministry, he often did. And we're going to see what happens with this person who's demon possessed. Turn with me there in the book of Luke chapter 11. Verse 14. It says, Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. Some of your translations might say, The people were amazed. Now, what's interesting about this is it wasn't the person who was mute, it was the demon. And while the demon was in the person, the person took on the characteristics of that demon and was mute himself. But as Jesus cast him out, he could now speak. And this shows us something that we see in other places in Scripture as well. When someone is demon-possessed, they take on the characteristics and the personalities of that demon. They become that demon. We see in Matthew chapter 8, for example, when there's someone who's violent and hurting themselves and throwing themselves into a fire, Jesus, he sets them free. He casts out that demon into some pigs. And what do they do? Those pigs hurt themselves. Straight away, they throw themselves off a cliff. They took on the characteristics of the demon. This is what happens in demon possession. That demon has control over you and you become possessed and take on its qualities. And I know, church, as we talk about this, that it is pretty freaky. And I know some of you right now are even like, can that still happen? What do you mean? Does that still happen now? Can I be demon possessed? And you start to worry like, what's going to happen? Am I just going to be walking around down the road one day and suddenly be possessed by a demon and like, whoa, what's going on? And so there are some things around this that I think it's important that we understand. And the first is this. If you're a Christian, you can't be demon-possessed. There isn't a single scriptural account of any Christian being demon-possessed. In fact, Scripture gives us assurances around this. We're told that at your salvation, it is your spirit part of you that becomes completely filled with God's spirit, becomes joined with Christ, And if your spirit and Christ's spirit are joined, you better believe your spirit cannot be demon-possessed. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there isn't space for another spirit. In fact, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1 that when you are saved, that part of you that is completely now sanctified is also sealed off. Listen to this in Ephesians 1.13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. Everyone says Sealed. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In the very next chapter in Ephesians 2, it actually says that now spiritually we are seated already in heavenly places. Your spirit is untouchable to the enemy the moment you become a Christian. You cannot be demon-possessed, but 
As Christians, we can certainly still be demon oppressed. In fact, there's no way to be a Christian and not be demon oppressed. Why? Because at your salvation, you stepped onto a battlefield. All of us. We live now in a battlefield. When you're not a Christian, the devil doesn't worry about you. Like you're his already. But man, when you become, when you choose to follow Jesus, you're declaring war. Look at someone and say, you're living on a battlefield. And so as long as you live, the devil's going to try. He's going to try hurt you and tempt you and trap you. He's going to try lead you away from God. He's going to try trip you up. In Ephesians 6 verse 11, it says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Do you know that the, the devil has a strategy against you? He's scheming while you're living without thinking about him, while you are ignoring him, he's scheming against you. And he's looking for all the things that work. And when they work, he just says, cool, let me do that again. Like he's just looking, what are the things that make you angry with God? What are the things that made you doubt God's goodness or God's power? Cool, well, that worked, let me do it again. What are the things that made you hate people? That, that made you divide, that made you angry? Cool, well, let's just do it again. And so we often find ourselves in our lives struggling again and again and again with the same issue. Why? Because there is a strategy against you. And once it works, he just keeps on going. Right? This is why it's important to identify that it's sometimes the devil at work so that we can come up with our own strategy against him. So that we just don't let him operate unchallenged in the darkness, but we challenge him. We come head on to those things. Have you ever watched those documentaries or those videos on YouTube or you've been in the Kruger and you've seen those lions or those cheetahs? They're in the grass, right? It's like they're prowling. They're hiding. And then they pounce on an unsuspecting antelope who let their guard down. That's a picture that scripture paints of us. There's this enemy prowling around. He's looking. Who can he devour? He wants, you, he, he wants to get you to sin as much as possible so that you'll feel so embarrassed by your shame and guilt you are hard from God. He wants to court haze, hate in you. He wants you to gossip and get drunk and engage in lust and grow greed. And He wants to sow division in your heart. He wants you to kill yourself. He wants you to kill others. And so he'll tempt you and speak to you and guide you. He can't touch your spirit, but he can st still touch your soul and your body. We have to remember that those things are under attack. Your soul is the area of your thoughts and your emotions and your personality, your consciousness. This is where he can still get to that. And so he tries to affect your thinking, to affect your emotions, to damage you emotionally. He tries to get to your body because he can still get to that. Your spirit is out of bounds, but your soul and your body, man, it's fair game. And so he comes and attacks. He tries to bring disease and pain and discomfort. But I also want to remind you that not every hardship is from the devil. Sometimes it's just your stupid decisions, right? Like sometimes trials, sometimes like we're to blame for trials. Like I think sometimes we blame so much from the devil and he's like, I didn't do that one. Right? Right? Sometimes we have trials and pain because of the decisions of other people. Sometimes it's just a result of being in a broken world. 
Sometimes it's our own sinful nature that causes us to sin. The devil isn't behind every bad thing that happens, and that is why we need discernment. We need discernment in this world, and one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to give us is just that, a discerning of spirits, to know which spirit is operating at the moment in our lives. Now, when I was growing up, I would say when I looked at the body of Christ and in the churches I was growing up, we used to tell Christians, guys, don't look for a demon behind every bush. Like, don't look for a demon behind every bush. But now when I look at the church, I think, I don't know if that's a problem anymore. I don't think the problem right now is that we look for a demon behind every bush. I think the problem is that we don't look for a demon behind any bush anymore. And so the devil just goes unchallenged. Right, his work just goes unopposed. Because we never blame him really for anything anymore. And the reality is we have an enemy. And he is out to get you. And some of the trials and some of the pain, some of the emotions you feel, some of the temptation that you're having, it's because of him. Because of demonic oppression in your life. So as a Christian, we cannot be demon-possessed, but we certainly can be under attack. In fact, you will live your whole life under attack. It's going to happen. Right? At least one of the 200 million is going to get you at some point and try to attack you. Now, I want to say this. You might be listening to this, and maybe you're not a Christian. And now you're thinking, okay, so what about me? Does that mean I could just like wake up tomorrow and be possessed by a devil? Like, whoa, what do you mean? Does that still happen? And I want to say this. From what we can see in Scripture, and even from what I've experienced in my own life, it definitely doesn't seem like the devil can just do that to you unless you give him permission to. Unless you open that door, unless you invite him to the table, he cannot just force himself in your life unless you open the door. And I'll say with every person that I've dealt with, where there's been demon possession or some demonic influence in the house, if you spend time with those people, you can always find something in their past. A time they played around with witchcraft or Satanism. A, a time that they played with a Ouija board or went to visit a Sangoma or engaged in ancestral worship or some kind of sacrificial, something with sacrifices. A time where they went to a palm reader or a fortune teller. There's always some kind of spiritual influence where they sought out a power that wasn't God's. And that gave the devil permission to come in and make his home. Like they opened the door to that. And so this cannot happen to you without you opening the door. It's not like you're going to live your life right and then one day end up demon-possessed. But why would we ever open the door to him? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because he... One of his main strategies is to make himself look harmless. He makes himself look good. Man, he makes himself look beautiful and appealing, and he makes you curious about his activity, curious about his power. In fact, one of the uh, most enlightening scriptures that tell us about the devil is from 2 Corinthians 11, from verse 13. It says, it says these people are false apostles, they are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised, Paul says, even Satan himself, he disguises himself as an angel of light. It's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. What does the devil do? He disguises himself. In other words, he, he makes himself look like light to you. One of his 
most common strategies in our lives is making himself look beautiful, making himself look appealing. He makes himself look good. And in the end times, we're going to see a massive increase in false prophets and false teachers in the church of God. And you better believe, guys, they're not going to walk in the room and say, hey, guys, be careful of me. I'm a false prophet and a follower of Satan. No, 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 no. They're going to come in and say, hey, I follow Jesus. I have a new revelation. You should follow Jesus. Come follow Jesus with me. And then you end up, you look around one day and you're like, oh, I'm not following Jesus at all. Like, where am I? He disguises himself as an angel of light. The devil wants to make himself look beautiful to you. He wants to make you curious about his power. And, and I'm sure this has happened to you. I mean, how many of us have sat around and we've thought, I wonder what it would be like to go to a fortune teller. I wonder what it would be like to, like, if I went to a palm reader, what would they say? You know what I mean? I'm not going to become a devil worshiper. I'm just curious. Like, what would they say? Like, I wonder what it would be like. I wonder what, I wonder what that Tsungomo will give me. Like, will that lost lover really come back? You know? Like, they advertise it everywhere. Like, is it real? Like, doesn't it make you like, just kind of wonder. Like, what would the ancestors reveal about my life? Like, what would they tell me? If I went to pray to them, like, what would they tell me to do? Like, it just makes you curious, right? Like, when I was in high school, Ouija boards were like a massive thing. And we had friends and stuff that were playing with Ouija boards. And they'd come to school and like, oh, it really moved. It moved. It moved. And you're like, whoa, that's cool. Like, that's cool, right? Like, it just, like, is it real magic? And then we were like, we would go to that statue by the municipality. How many of you have seen that statue there? Like, pretty freaky. I don't know who made that. Like, anyone at the council, can we try to get rid of that statue? It's gross, right? But there's that statue there that, you know why it's there? It's like full of goat's heads and pentagrams and like weird symbols. And we would hear about the witches that used to chant around there and make sacrifices. And as a kid, you'd hear that and be like, oh, it's cool. Like, it's fascinating. Like, I don't know why, but it's fascinating. And then they, they release these movies, right? When I was growing up, like Exorcist and The Omen and The Poltergeist and The Ring and The Blade Witch Project. And I'm giving away my age. Like, I realize as I'm saying it. But... But you kind of watch those movies like in total darkness and you would kind of be hoping that maybe at some point the light bulb would start to flicker, right? Because you're just like, oh, this is cool. Like there's just something about it. It's just like he makes it beautiful and entertaining and he comes as an angel of light. And, and we know like, hey, we're not going to be a, we know we're not going to become a Satan worshiper, but there's something about it like, I just want to see. I just want to peek. I want to touch. I just want to dabble. I just want to. Experience a little bit. I just want to see. Wouldn't it be cool to see? And then we, then we come across scripture like this in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 18 from verse 9. It says, When you enter the land of the Lord your God that he's giving you, be careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. Can all the parents in the house please highlight that verse? It's not okay. I know you've thought it. Don't do it, right? Do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. 
It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless. Everyone say blameless. Look at someone and say, be blameless. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations that you're about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such a thing. And as I read that, I think, whoa, 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 this is a big deal to God. Like, and yes, I know that no one's going to become like a satanic priest because they watch the Harry Potter series. Right, like we know, but, but God seems to just hate that stuff. He hates it, and can we watch it and still please him? Like, like we're told in Philippians to like everything we do, do to the glory of God. Can I engage in this stuff and do it to the glory of God? I don't know. I don't like he makes us love what, what God hates. He, he makes us dabble and, and we get curious and it just seems so harmless, doesn't it? And God hates it. He's not joking around. Like, like for imagine, imagine I came up here one Sunday and I started giving this teaching. And I said, hey guys, I think, I think you need to cool it with adultery. Adultery is really fine. Like there's no big deal. Like I... No one expects you to sleep with one person for the rest of your life. If you see someone else and you like them, go for it. It's love. You're loving them. Like God's a God of love and he'll understand and your spouse will get over it. But now if I taught that from the stage, hopefully the elders will carry me out, right? But And no one cut that clip and put it on YouTube, please, and call me a false prophet. Like, we're coming for you, Right? was an example. But no one would say, as a, as, a, as a church that I know, we're committed to scripture. We're a Bible-preaching church. No one would stand for that. But if I put some music to that message and I put it on radio, now you'd accept it. If I wrote a good screenplay and presented that story in a beautiful movie, you wouldn't just accept it. You'd pay to go watch it. Do you see what the devil does? Ah, oh, angel of light, man. He can come and make things look so beautiful. I mean, let's just be honest, guys. One of the biggest movies this year is about the previous Sorcerer Supreme, who is the Lord of the Mystic Arts, who's fighting a Scarlet Witch. Right? Isn't it Doctor Strange? I just told you the plot. Sorry if I spoiled it for you, but come on, I mean, like, look at how fascinated we are with the magic. Come on, come on like in, in Lord of the Rings and, and Harry Potter and the Disney movies. And yeah, I'm just saying that he, he's an angel of light, isn't he? He's, he's come and he's made it so attractive we pay to watch it. And I know we wouldn't put up with that if we just taught it, but there's ways he can sell it. I mean, here Deuteronomy is saying, hey, don't consult with the dead. Don't pursue them. Don't talk to them. But man, if that's in a movie, we're going to watch it. I mean, like, man, isn't it romantic? Oh, a spouse dies, or a wife dies, or a husband dies, and they go fight to come back. And they're like, I love you so much. I don't want heaven. I want you. And I'm going to like... I'm going to like move the coffee table. It's me. It's me. Right? I mean, like, 
Now it's, now it's presented beautifully. And so it's like, I mean, when I was a kid, Ghost was big. How many of you watch Ghost? Don't put a hand up. Sorry. Like, okay, I did. I watched it so much. But my favorite movie growing up, I knew every line. Yeah, we have like, you know, Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg being filled with Patrick Swayze. It's just weird. Right? But, but, but it's presented as beautiful. Oh, look at the dead coming back. Oh, it's just such a love story. He's an angel of light. I mean, we think it's so romantic. Wouldn't it be romantic if a loved one you lost, your spouse or your dad could just come and say some words, just come and speak to you? We think that's a beautiful story. In fact, guys, I've heard a lot of Christians speak that way. I still feel her presence. I still speak to her at night. She still guides me. Hmm. What I, what I know is that's detestable to the Lord to seek out the dead. We watch people and, and they're like, you know, I still talk to my granny because she was so close to Jesus. And so I just ask her to speak to Jesus on my behalf. Isn't it just painted so beautifully? And Jesus is like, I'm right here, dude. Because like, actually what it, what it does is it undermines God, doesn't it? Because the God I speak to is omniscient and omnipresent and everywhere. And he, he has given us a mediator in the Holy Spirit. We need no one else. And yet he, the, the devil has a way of presenting it as an angel of light. Just speak to the dead. I mean, there are, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm about to step on lots of toes. So just get ready, pull them back. I'm sorry. But there are, se- there are sections of our faith that believe to get to Jesus, you have to go through an apostle or through a saint or through Mary herself. I mean, you're, you're seeking out the dead. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I only saw this when I was prepping, but even in the same story where Jesus cast out the demons, in this same story in the setting in Luke 11, it says in verse 27, as he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother the womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus replied, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put them into practice. It's amazing because even in this environment, as Jesus is casting out the demons, people are trying to elevate Mary to a position where she doesn't belong. And actually God says, you will be more blessed than her if you just obey me. And yet we have believed that if I could just seek out and if I could just hear the voice of my dad again, if I, if I can just speak to their loved one again, if I could just help, if they can just help me pray, if I can just feel the presence. We've sold it as a beautiful story because the angel of light has deceived us. You don't need anyone else to get to God. You have God. He lives in you. You're one with him, right? You're one with him. One with him. And church, when we do What I think we do when we start to engage in these things, sometimes unknowingly we're inviting him in. We're giving him a seat at our table of life. When we go and seek out our ancestors, we're inviting him in, the devil in. When we go consult the dead, we're inviting the devil in. When you go see that Sangomo or that that fortune teller or that that palm reader or go to that suance, you're inviting the devil in to oppress you. And if you're not saved to possessed you, and you have to live aware that you have an enemy. 
Don't be fooled. And he has a strategy against you. He's seeing how he can get in. And I pray that through the series, the Holy Spirit would increase our discernment so that you and I could spot more clearly where we have fallen for the liars of the angel of light, where we have fallen for his tricks, where we have entertained ourselves with his nonsense and he's made it look good. I mean, there's an entire series now, right? I mean, there's a series called Lucifer, which kind of makes Lucifer look like the good guy. Like we're, we're entertained, we're fascinated, we think it's cool, but guys, so we, we have to be so careful what we're letting into our lives. Satan makes it sound so harmless. The very same things that God says, I hate. But there's good news at the end of all of this. Here's the good news. God is stronger than the devil. He is so much stronger than the devil. And I never want you to forget that. In fact, in the story in Luke 11, in verse 21, God, Jesus uses this example. He says, for when a strong man is fully armed and guards his place, his positions are safe until, everyone say until, until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him and strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. Jesus is talking about what he will do to the devil. See, for some of us, we're in bondage because a strong man is at play in our lives. We've invited him, him in and he's taken over our palace. He's there. He's filled it with his belongings. And we, by ourselves, we don't have the strength to fight the enemy. We don't, by ourselves, have the, have the strength to fight the devil. But Jesus comes in and he says, guess what? When one stronger than him comes, I can get rid of him and, and get rid of everything he bought and you become mine. And so I want to remind you that there is one who is stronger than the devil. His name is Jesus Christ, which means you and I do not have to fear the activity of the enemy. We should be aware of it, but not fear it. We should be alert about it, but not fear it. We have to remember that when we came in today and switched these lights on, the darkness did not have a moment to negotiate whether it should leave and how fast it should leave. No, the darkness had to flee at the speed of light and Jesus is the light of the world and he comes and he dwells inside of us and he makes you the light and me the light. We have the light in us. The darkness doesn't get a say. He is the stronger man. He's a stronger one. And this is why church, we have to be aware, where is there demonic activity? Because we have been given the power over it. Greater is he in us than he that's in the world. We have to be aware, when is this conflict demonic? When is this issue in my body demonic? When is this temptation? When is this addiction? When is it demonic? Because we have the power. We have the name above every other name. We have the power through the Holy Spirit to speak against it and fight the enemy, not fight the person, not fight the flesh and blood that he's made us believe is the problem or is the enemy. We have the ability to fight the real enemy. Listen, the devil, he would love it if you lived as if he didn't exist. He wants to play all these games in your life and he wants you to blame everyone and everything else. But behind some of those bushes, there is a demon. Behind some of that oppression, there is demonic activity and it is up to you and me to speak against it in the name of Jesus Christ and by faith believe that it's gone and it will be gone. You and I, we really, I think, have to look at our lives and see where have we been bamboozled? Where have we been deceived? 
Where are we engaging in things that really are not from God? Where are we making it easy for the devil? Where have we invited him in? And I pray with all my heart that the Holy Spirit will point those things out in your life. I don't know what they are, but he does. That you and I would live in freedom because it is, by the way, for freedom that Christ has set you free. Not for bondage again, for freedom. He wants to set you free. In fact, as we close today, I want to invite all of you to stand to your feet. Even if you're watching or listening in another venue, can you stand to your feet for me? I want to read these words over you from Scripture. And this is just a moment between you and God. You're welcome to extend your hands in front of you and close your eyes. and Don't let the devil distract you now. It says this in Ephesians 6. The final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, Put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your ground. Father God, I pray that your army would stand its ground. God, that we would not be so unaware of the enemy's challenges and his activity that we we ignore him and we start picking fights with people in our circumstances. And, and God, that we... Make us aware of the demonic activity, I pray, in our lives, so that by the name of Jesus Christ, we can come against it, that we can pick up the spiritual battle, the spiritual tools that you have given us, the spiritual weapons you have given us, that we can fight the enemy on his terms, at his turf, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the name of Jesus Christ. God, I want to speak freedom into this room. I speak freedom from bondages and strongholds. God, where the enemy has trapped us up and deceived us, where he's sitting at our table and we don't even know it. I I pray discernment right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, you might want to pray that prayer. You might just want to say, Holy Spirit, would you show me? Show me where the devil's lied to me. Show me where I've invited him in. Show me where I've been deceived. Holy Spirit, show us the practices we're engaging in that don't honor you. Show us the things, Holy Spirit, that are detestable to you that we're entertaining ourselves with. Show us, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would take us on a journey of freedom because I know that's your heart. I know you don't want anything less for us. We submit ourselves to you right now. God, I want to pray just as your work continues that we would see more and more and more people stepping in freedom understanding the power you have put in them. God, that we wouldn't let the the devil just have a field day in our lives anymore. So we rise up in the power you've given us and we speak freedom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome to take a seat. In a moment, I'm going to call up just someone to release you. I want to ask that you just remain seated. But I want to say this. I believe some of you today, you're recognizing that there needs to be some work in your life. And, and we want to make ourselves available to you. 
If you're recognizing maybe you're not saved and you want to give your heart to Jesus, or perhaps you're feeling like you've had some demonic expressions or experiences, maybe you can look back at your past and you can see places you've opened the doors and you're worried like they're not closed yet. Well, we don't want to rush ministry with you. In fact, we've made some pastors available next door in our minor hall and some of our prayer team. And we've got people right now, if you feel like, hey, there's still some more work to do, don't rush it, guys. There is no better use of your Sunday than to pursue freedom. The chicken is not that good, right? I promise you freedom, freedom, it's a gift. And if you feel like there's some bondage or oppression or possession in your life, and you want someone just to sit with you for a while and deal with it, don't go home till it's done. Go to our minor hall. If you go out these doors, up the steps, down the little passage, you'll find our minor hall. There's people waiting for you today. But my prayer is that you pursue freedom and that you understand it is so much better living in the light.